Well, good morning, Grace Church. It is so good to see you all out there. It's my privilege to uh, share in God's word with you this morning. And uh, on this holiday weekend, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I had a a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I had family come up from St. Louis area. We got to host, uh, which means we get to keep all the leftovers uh, when when it's done. Everybody else has to long drive ahead of them. Might as well just leave that here. You know, it's not going to survive the drive. So uh, we are are continuing in our series uh, here at Grace Church, working through the book of John. We're in John chapter 6, so I'd encourage you to go ahead and get your copy of the Word of God, whether that's digital or physical uh, before you this morning. Grab that, pull it open, uh, head over to John 6. We'll do our, our tradition here. We're, we'll stand and read the text together off the screen in just a moment, uh, but you'll, you'll want to be there uh, for yourself uh, if that's your style here this morning as well. Uh, and while you get there, uh, I am going to break uh, one of the rules that they tell you about uh, when you're, when you're preaching. Uh, and we're going to talk about food for a second here. Uh, they, they tell you, you you shouldn't talk about food when you're preaching because immediately people are starting to think about the next meal they're going to eat, you know, and they're, they start thinking about, okay, how long, will he be done on time today or not? And it, you know, do I have to go warm up the meat, you know, the leftovers from Thanksgiving, you know, or so. But Jesus is actually the one that's going to bring up food uh, this morning. So I feel like it's safe. He's going to get there eventually in a minute anyway. So we'll jump the gun here a little bit. I got, I got a question for you. I want you to think back, um, rewind the clock here back to, Thursday night. How many of us went to bed sick to our stomachs on Thursday night because we were so full we couldn't possibly fit another piece of something? Anyone going to be honest out there? Okay, good. Got a couple honest people. How many just at some point during the day on Thursday just you couldn't fit another bite in? Okay, okay. We got more. Okay, there you go. Yeah. How many of you were like me and uh, you did lunch for Thanksgiving on Sunday, like we did, we did a late lunch. It was like one, one thirty, something like that. Which meant I got second Thanksgiving, right? At, after I put the kids to bed, parents, you know that feeling when the kids, we, you know, we start going to bed at like seven thirty. By nine o'clock, they're actually the house is quiet, and you and your wife sit down and you go, "What are we going to do now?" Second Thanksgiving, right? Let's go get the leftovers out, pull them out, and and it's always amazing, right? How many of us are hungry this morning, right? I went, I went from eating at like, it was like one thirty, two o'clock to like nine o'clock that night. I was hungry again, right? Even though just, just a little bit earlier, I was so stuffed. I was like, if I eat another thing, I'm going to have, I'm going to have to run to the restaurant. It's going to be bad. Like, like I, and, and I was hungry again. And this morning, maybe, maybe you really overdid on Thursday and you're, and you made it all the way to this morning, but I'll bet most of us woke up hungry Today, and if you're one of those weirdos who skips breakfast, uh, you'll at least be hungry by lunchtime, uh, most, most likely today. Because there's something about this food that we eat here uh, on planet Earth, right? It doesn't last. It doesn't last. At some point, we're weak again. At, at some point, that hunger comes back out again. And man, I had a great meal on Thursday, but you better believe Friday morning I woke up and I was starving for breakfast. And, and this morning, I was starving. Like, it never goes away. The hunger's always there. I hear when I get older, things will slow down a little bit more and maybe that's less, but it's still there, right? The food doesn't last around here. And that's the point that Jesus is going to make to the crowd today. 
Uh, here's, here, I'm going to give you my big idea right up front. I love to do this so that if y'all, if it was a long weekend, you need to take a nap this morning. Okay, get the big idea, take your nap, wake up. And when someone asks you, what did you think of the message today? You can at least spout out the big idea and they'll think you were there for the whole thing. Okay, so here's, here's your big idea. I think, I think we'll have it up on the screen. If you're taking notes, uh, only Jesus can sustain you in this life and the life to come. Only Jesus can sustain you in this life and the life to come. So I'm, I'm, normally I'm, I'm speaking to students, okay? I've got a good, good bit of youth pastor in me. Uh, so I, I fought myself a little bit. I've got a, a second version of, of our main idea here for today. I'm actually gonna have second ver- the youth version of all of my points here today. So here's your, here's your second version. Skipping Jesus will leave you hungry, okay? Skipping Jesus will leave you hungry. And I don't, I don't know about you, but when, when, when I look out there at the Thanksgiving meal, there's, there's always that one thing that I've got to have, right? That, that I can't skip out on out of, out of the banquet. What is that one thing for you? What is that one thing for you when it comes to your relationship with God? When it comes to thinking about the spiritual world beyond this life, what is, what is, the, what is your main course. Is it Jesus? So let's read our, our text here this morning together. Go ahead and stand uh, to your feet, uh, and we, w- we will be reading John chapter 6, starting in verse 41. And uh, we'll, we'll read together. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move along here because it's, it's a good little chunk, but let's give honor to the Lord and his word this morning together. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. 
As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask that you would open your word to us this morning, that you would open our minds and our hearts to hear your words, that it would implant deep down inside of us, that it would change us from the inside out. Help us to understand you clearly. Help us to understand ourselves clearly. Help us to know what to do with it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So how did we get here? How did we get to Jesus talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, right? This is a great passage. It's a long chapter. Some cool stuff happens in it. But then all of a sudden, Jesus decides to make things awkward, okay? Maybe you had that experience on Thursday at the dining room table where you felt like someone showed up and just wanted to make things awkward, right? By bringing up a topic or bringing up, hey, did y'all hear about cousin so, you know, brought up that awkward topic that everyone was hoping to avoid. This is what Jesus is doing in this passage. He is going to push the crowd. He's going to push them to make a decision and a choice, how do we get here? Well, if you look at chapter 6, even just looking at the, like the titles of the headings of the passages, the paragraphs there, you see we start out with feeding of the 5,000, right? This is a really famous miracle that everybody knows. We just covered it a couple weeks ago. If you missed it, go back, listen to the archive. It's there. Uh, and I want to point out verse 2 to you. A great crowd of people followed him because the signs, uh, because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. So there's a crowd following him, a great crowd, it says, right? And why are they following? What's their motive? Because they were being entertained. They had seen something really cool. And if you go back and look at chapters three, four, and five, you see that these miracles that Jesus is doing where he's healing people, raising people from the dead, all this cool stuff. It's exciting to be around Jesus at this time, right? There, this, is, this is before the modern age of everyone has a television in their own home, right? There is no Taylor Swift. There is no Ticketmaster, okay? There's none of these things out there to be excited about, to be entertained by. If you're, if you're really lucky and you live near a Roman uh, a city, you might get a chance to go into the Colosseum and see a show or the theater, see a show. But for the most part, there's not a whole lot going on, right? Jesus is the big show in town, And the crowd just grows and grows because it's exciting to be around Jesus and see the things that he's doing and the changes he's making in people's lives. It's exciting. So a crowd grows. They grow up around the excitement, the cool thing that's going on. It's Jesus. And as you you work through uh, the passage, you start to see them just start to make demands of Jesus. Uh, Pastor, Pastor Phil, uh, uh, last week, led us through the chunk right before this, and he, and he told it, prove it, right? Uh, because Jesus was making claims about who he was. What did the crowd want? They wanted Jesus to prove it. They said, if you really want us to believe in you, you got to up your game, right? Their demands, their, their, their lack of belief led to them demanding more and more of Jesus, 
And at one point uh, in, in verse 15 of chapter 6, Jesus, uh, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Why did he do that? The, the crowd wants him to be their king. The crowd has decided who they want Jesus to be. They want Jesus to be their provider. He, they want him to fill their bellies, right? Hey, you fed the 5,000. That just magically food came out of nowhere. I want some more of that, right? Like the, the economy's in a down position right now. We're being, you know, controlled by the Romans and they keep taxing us, you know, all, all this different stuff. So, hey, it'd be really nice if we know a guy who can just make food magically appear anytime we need it, right? We want him to fill our bellies. We want him to deal with the Romans. We want to make him our king, our geopolitical uh, provider and protector who will take care of us. Where's their focus? What's their emphasis? Why are they following Jesus? It's because of what they can get out of him for themselves. Their focus is on themselves as they follow Jesus. As they hang around Jesus, the crowd is looking at themselves and asking, what can we get out of this? But Jesus knows their problem. He knows they're following him for the wrong reasons. And he's going to push them on that. He calls them out. He tells them, hey, hey, only I, only me, the bread of life, can sustain you in this life and the life to come. If you skip out on me, you're going to keep being hungry. He knows, so he forces it. And as we, as we dive into these verses here, I'd like to just ask you to consider yourself a little bit this morning. You know, that's the crowd. But I, but I would ask you, what, why are you hanging around Jesus? Why are you hanging around Jesus today? Right? You, you showed up at church on a holiday weekend. So you got to have some reason to be here. What, what is the reason? What are you looking for when you hang around Jesus? Uh, I think we see three primary points that, that Jesus makes to the crowd in this chunk. I'm sure there's more than that, but this is how I summarized it in, in my brain as I, as I read through and I organized it here. Um, and, and we're going to move through those kind of quick, and then we're going to come back to that question at the end. First of all, uh, I think Jesus teaches the crowd that lasting sustenance, okay, the thing that will sustain them, lasting sustenance must come from the everlasting. If you want it to last in your life, its nature must be everlasting in nature, right? So he says this in verse 41 through 46. We, we read that on the screen already. I'll just point back to you. The Jews begin to grumble about Jesus, and this is their issue with them. Uh, they, in verse 41, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven, they said, is this not Jesus? The son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know, how can he now say, I came down from heaven? So they're looking at this guy, and they're like, hey, isn't this Joe's kid? Who, do, who does he think he is, walking around, saying that he came down from heaven? We know this guy. Galilee is his region that, that Jesus probably grew up in, uh, and, and they, they know him. They know his family, and they're looking at him, and they're going, hey, why does he get to say that? Why does he get to say, I came down from heaven? What, what are they revealing right now? They don't believe Jesus when he tells them who he is. Right? We're coming up on the Christmas season. 
When we start to think a lot about Joseph and Mary riding that donkey, you know, knocking on that door and the innkeeper kicks him out, right? Like that all of our mythology and fables around the whole Christmas season, right? These guys knew him. These guys knew his family. And they couldn't get over that hump. And when Jesus said, I am one with the Father, I've come down from the Father, they get stuck and they say, no, 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 no. I, we, we know who you are. They don't believe Jesus when he tells them who he is. So he has to, he has to call them out. And he says, are you, are you going to believe me or not? Let me tell you who I am. And he goes on to explain over the next couple of verses that he is the only one to come from the Father. He is the only one to come from the Father. He, he, he makes this clear uh, in verse 44. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. I will raise him up in the last day. Uh, if you jump down to verse 46, no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. See, the Jews that are sitting out there in the crowd listening to Jesus talk, they, they're stuck on, they think they have a relationship with the Father because of their lineage, because they are descendants of Moses and Abraham. They, they are in with God. And Jesus takes a moment to say, no, 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 no. You want to talk about lineage? Let me talk you, you know, tell you about my lineage. I'm the one who came from heaven. And you don't get to have a relationship with God just because you're a descendant of Moses and Abraham. You have a relationship with God when he draws you, when he teaches you, when you get to him through me. That's how you have a relationship with God. So he has to come out, what do you really think about me? Am I really the one that comes from the Father, or am I just some guy who does some, some cool light shows and magic tricks out here in the desert for you? What do you really think about me? He forces the issue. They're ignoring his lineage. Uh, and then he finishes out this chunk uh, by saying that he is the only way to the Father. He says this in verse uh, uh, 47, very Truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. He is the one they have to come to if they want to get to the Father because he's the one who came from the Father. Lasting sustenance is not locally sourced. Lasting sustenance must come from the everlasting. It doesn't come from around here. You won't find anything here on this planet that'll sustain you forever. You need something that is already forever stuff that will come be a part of your life. It's not locally sourced. It's got to come from somewhere else. And that's what Jesus, Jesus is saying this morning to them and to you. Lasting sustenance must be everlasting in nature. And Jesus is the only one who is that. Jesus is the only one who can be that for you. So he makes that point very clear to them, but then he moves on in verse 47 and teaches them that lasting sustenance is found in belief. And by that, he says it this way. He says, you actually have to eat it. You have to eat of this. To eat means to actually consume it, to make it a part of you, to, to, to spend time uh, uh, letting it marinate in your life to participate in it. What is it that they're asked to participate in? Well, in verse 47, uh, he says it this way. Very truly, I tell you, I am the one, or, or the one who believes has eternal life. What's the issue? Belief. What's the key to eternal life? Belief. And then he goes on to say, I am the bread of life. 
And he does this great contrast. Your ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So he makes six statements in those verses. First, he says, belief brings eternal life. So he's about to start this metaphor about eating flesh, drinking blood, all this stuff. And it's like he's saying, before we get weird, okay, let me be very clear about this and tell you exactly what I mean. You must believe. And this is actually the third time he said this in his passage, right? The reason that the Jews had told him, you have to prove it to us, prove it to us before we believe in you is because he's already told them, you must believe in me, right? The work that the father requires you to do is to believe in the one whom he sent, which is me, Right, that's what Jesus is just nailing again and again and again. He's trying to drill it through their thick heads, right? That this is about belief. But they're not getting it, so he uses metaphor. He says, I am the bread of life. Why does he choose that? Well, bread is a staple. Everybody understands what bread is. It's, it's one of the most common things, but it's the thing you need to be sustained. Uh, especially in that culture, in that agricultural society. It's a thing that sustains and it builds into then the following contrast that he makes when he starts talking about the manna, which he again talked about uh, in the passage prior to this that Pastor Phil took us through last week uh, and, and showed us that whole picture of the Israelites moving through the desert. How did the Lord provide for them? He provided magical bread to come down from heaven, right? And it, the dew dried in the morning and there it is on the ground and they go, what is it? It's manna, right? It's, it's what is it? That's its name. And, and they eat it. And it sustains them. And he says, hey, your ancestors ate that. And they died. I'm better than that. But I am the bread that has come down from heaven for you. Take and eat of it. And you will never die. That's the promise that Jesus has to the crowd. And notice, he says, uh, anyone may eat and not die. So there's a contrast there between the uh, exclusivity of the manna that the Israelites had and the exclusivity of the relationship that the Jews had with God through the Mosaic Covenant versus the inclusive offer that Jesus makes of himself to the world. Before Jesus, you had to become a Jew in order to follow God. Post-Jesus, Jesus says, I'm for everyone. This is the new covenant of my blood, right? And he's, he's setting up this huge contrast. This was an exclusive. This is for anyone. Anyone may eat and they will not die. So it's better all around. The bread of life, the living bread of life is better all around. And who is it? It's Jesus. Are we catching the theme here? It's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. He is the main course so he says, anyone may not die. And then he says, he repeats again. He doubles down and adds an adjective. He says, I am the living bread. Instead of I'm the bread of life, I'm the living bread. Again, this is just an emphasis on both the quality of, of his self and uh, the source of it. It's a, it's a living source. And then he says, eat this bread and live forever. That's a promise. I love it when Jesus makes his promises. It partake in me and you will live forever. Again, he's speaking metaphorically. He's speaking spiritually. That's what the crowd isn't getting. But it's a contrast to what the fathers had, their ancestors had. 
Then he finally says, the bread is my flesh, which I will give. Those are his six statements. The bread is my flesh, which I will give. This is a foreshadowing of his body being broken for us. His flesh being torn apart, pierced, bleeding, dying. And it calls into mind what he'll say to his followers in just a couple chapters when he says, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat of it, right? At the last supper. He's drawing all these beautiful pictures all together and making the point, you've got to have me. It's nothing else. Because lasting sustenance is found in belief. You actually have to eat it. You don't get to just hang around Jesus. At some point, you actually have to partake of Jesus. You have to let him come in. You have to say it's all you and it's nothing else, Jesus. When you make that moment, that's the moment you have eaten You have chosen to faithfully follow the one who can save your soul. Are are you taking that lasting sustenance? Finally, uh, I think we see that lasting sustenance is singular. It's unique. It's not common. It's not something you can find very easily. Lasting sustenance is singular. It's not a buffet. It's not a buffet. I love at Thanksgiving walking down the line and just picking all my favorite things, right? And if there's something out there that I'm not a fan of, I could just pass right over that, right? Like, I know a big thing uh, out there is that sweet potato casserole. I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, it's, uh, the main course is supposed to be salty and meaty, okay? Like, that's how I feel about things. Keep the sweet stuff for dessert time, okay? Like, that, that dish should be on the dessert table, in my opinion, okay? Sweet potato casserole can, can go over there. But... When you go down the line, we all do this, right? We go, we go, I'll pick some of that, pick some of that. My kids are hilarious at this. You know, they, go, they, they want like one thing, you know, on, on the thing. And they're just going out. We pick and choose. And we go through life picking and choosing. The crowd is going around Jesus, picking and choosing the things that they like about Jesus. And he's like, this is not a buffet. There is one thing on the menu that you need. Everything else is just... Side dishes, they're surplus, they're extra, it's the cherry on the top. It's not the thing that will sustain you. Miracles, healing people, raising people from the dead, all that stuff's pretty cool. And I'm happy to do it. This is, this is Jesus looking at the crowd. But it's not what you need. What you need is Jesus. It's not a buffet. When you consume Jesus... You get eternal life. That's what he says in verse 53 uh, through 55. He says, I truly tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, drink his blood, you have no life in you. He's, this is like, he's past doubling down now. He's like triple, quadruple down on this point now with, with the crowd. Uh, because if you go all the way back to the start of the chapter, he just says this over and over again. He's like, you've got to choose me. And this is the first time he does it in the negative, right? He says, if you don't, you have no life in you. He's like, let me make this as clear as I possibly can. <laughs> no life without Jesus. He, he, he doesn't want them to miss this point. When you consume Jesus, you get eternal life. And when you consume Jesus, you become one with God. Did you catch this? This was pretty cool. Now notice, it's not you become God, okay? That's some other cultist belief system that we're not gonna 
teacher learn here, okay? You don't become God, you become one with God. Catch, catch this, what he says in verse uh, 56. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. And just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. And this, this reminds us of what he's going to say in, in uh, John uh, 17 about how, how the same relationship that the son has with the father, we can now have with the son and with each other and with the father because we're all brought into the same thing. Become one with God. He now lives in you. When you, by faith, when you believe in him and you eat of him and you participate in him, you are now one with the one who made you. He's residing in you and you are residing in him. And that's the safest place, the best possible place you could ever be. And it's all about Jesus. Lasting sustenance is singular. It's not a buffet. And then he, he, he kind of finishes it up in verse 58 with a great summary verse. He says this, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Only Jesus can sustain you in this life and the life to come. And I don't know why you're here this morning, but let me me suggest this to you. It's gotta be Jesus. It's got to be about Jesus. Jesus. Jesus in this moment forces the crowd to decide what they really believe is true about Jesus. Is he really from the Father or is he just Joe and Mary's kid? Right? All of these miracles he's doing, are they just tricks and showmanship? Is it it fun to be around? Or is there something going on here that's crazy and wild and weird and awkward, but right and true? and life-changing. What do they really believe about Jesus? He offers them above all else himself. All other things will leave them and you starving in this life and the life to come. Guys, I, there's, there's a lot of things that this world will try to fill you up with, Right? It's all going to leave you wanting. You're going to wake up the next morning hungry again. Jesus will sustain you. So let's get back to us here this morning for a second. I think people start hanging out with Jesus for a lot of different reasons, like this crowd did. They're usually self-centered, self-focused, Right? And by hanging out with Jesus, I mean like you, you hang around Christian people, you come to church every once in a while or, or even come quite regularly. You might serve in the kids' ministry. You might, might do things. Around. You're, you're around. You're kind of in the sphere, you know, orbiting around Jesus and Jesus' people and Jesus' things a little bit. But I would ask you, why? I think most people start out in that orbit around Jesus for the wrong reason. It's, it's usually self-centered. Maybe it's tradition you know, my, 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 you know my, my parents always took me to church when I was a kid. Uh, you know, in, in our Judeo-American Christian culture here, it's just like a thing that we do. It's, it's tradition. It's probably good for me to be around Jesus. So I just kind of hang out. It's, tra- it's what I've always done, right? It's tradition. 
Maybe it's because you think uh, if, I, if I do my part and I put some money in the offering plate and I do something, maybe I'll get something that, that God will God will watch my back. You know, this is the, this is the prosperity gospel, right? It's the health and wealth uh, uh, avenue that if I come to Jesus, if I hang around Jesus, I'm going to get taken care of in this life in some way. Maybe it's an idea of self-preservation, right? This is why I began following Jesus. When I was a kid, I went to church with my parents, heard the pastor talk about a place called hell, explaining that it was a real place where real people were going to feel real pain and torment for a real eternity. And I sat there and I went, well, that sounds terrible. And I don't want to be a part of that. And I looked at my mom and I said, mom, I don't want to do that. What do I have to do to not go to hell? Right? That, and that was my step into following Jesus. She led me in prayer. Uh, of calling Jesus to be my king, to be my savior, to, to change me. And from that moment on, I, I have been following Jesus. But it started out self-preservation. Had to get my fire insurance, right? Had to, had to take care of myself. I think some people hang around Jesus for all the perks that the community brings, right? It's, it's good to be part of a church, there's like good people here who look like they have their lives all put together, right? And sometimes they'll like show up at your door with a casserole or something. Like, like when, our, when our kid was born uh, about, about, a, about a year ago, um, like we, we, didn't, we didn't have to cook for like three weeks. It was awesome, all right? There's, there's perks, okay? Free childcare, you know, a couple times a week. Like there's, there's some good things being around the community, and that's, I think that is changing a little bit in our culture today because it used to be church was a lot more the center of community activity and involvement. But it's still, it's exciting to be around here. Seeing people's lives changed. You know, people showing up from, j- just got out of prison and they're a totally turned around person now that God's working in their life. That's exciting to be around. And we kind of feel like, if I hang around there, I'm, some of that might rub off on me a little bit, Right? This is, this is what I think of as like the gym membership, right? I, I, I have my church. I, I have my group of Christians that I hang out with because I think it'll rub off and it'll make me a better person, right? And I've even heard that as the invitation. Do you want to be a better person? Do you want to do the right things in life? Follow Jesus. He'll make you a better person. Okay, that's true. That is 100% true. And we probably all could be a little bit better, right? We probably all have some things we need to work on. But is Is that the main course? Is being better the main course? The centerpiece of Christianity? No, it's Jesus. That's that's the the God of the AA meeting, right? That there's there's a higher power out there who will change you and make you better. You know, some people hang around Jesus to please somebody else. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's like, I think, I think my kid needs to be in church, so I guess I'll be in church too, right? All of those reasons are good reasons to start hanging out with Jesus. I, I love all those reasons. And, and I, I, will, I will invite people to come be a part of our church family and stuff like that for some of those reasons. But at some point, you've got to leave those side dishes, you got to step away from all of that and say, but you know what's better than community? You know what's better than seeing your life change or other people's lives change? You know what's better than the traditions of our culture and your family? You know what's better than all those things? Jesus. Amen. Jesus is better than all of that. He is the main 
course. And if you just fill up on side dishes, you will be left hungry at the end of the day. Because at some point, the community is going to disappoint you. At, at some point, the traditions aren't going to be so nice anymore. Right? At some point, someone's going to get up and make it really awkward and really weird. And you're going to have to make a decision. That's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, hey, I know there's a big old crowd out there today. But if you want to follow me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> what is Jesus doing? <laughs> Jesus, dude, you can't say stuff like that. Like, you're going to slim down the crowd. He's like, I know, it's okay. He's forcing them to make a decision. And that's what I would ask you to do today for yourself. Why are you hanging around Jesus? Is he the main course for you? Or are you here for the side dishes? My kids are great at that. They pick one thing and they fill up on it. You know, the, the mashed potatoes or the green beans or something like that. And then it's bedtime. And what do they say? Daddy, I'm hungry. Well, yeah, because you didn't actually eat any food. You ate chips. <laughs> you, know, like, you ate the pickles, right? Like you didn't, you didn't, you didn't eat anything of sustenance. Guys, I, I don't want you to go through life constantly feeling like you're missing something, like you're hungry for more. And I really don't want you going into the next life hungry, missing the one thing that will last you into eternity, and it's Jesus. So ask yourself, why am I here today? Is it for Jesus or is it for something else? One last thought. What do we present to other people when we, when we invite them to come participate in this? Do we offer people Jesus or do we offer them a side dish? My recommendation to you is it's okay to you know, kind of throw out the side dishes there, but at some point you've got to point them to the main dish. I say, I'm so glad you've been coming. I'm so glad you've been hanging out with my kids. I'm so glad we got dinner together the other day. But, but can I talk to you about Jesus? Because he is the only thing that will sustain you in this life and the life to come. Everything else will disappoint you. We'll leave you wanting more. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for sending your son to be the way back to you. God, help me. Help me to make Jesus the centerpiece of my life, the main dish of my life, the thing that I wake up every morning going to, focusing on, centering my life around. God, help each one of us to become these kind of people who are here, not for the music, not for the lights, not for the cool shows and the excitement, but for you, for Jesus. God, help us to understand all of this and have the courage to do something about it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.